0: Uh, You can go ahead and get your Bibles ready in just a moment. I'll tell you where to turn, but before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about scars. Scars. Most people have scars of some kind. We can go ahead and put that first graphic up there. People have scars of all kinds. Some, some, Some scars, have you noticed some scars that we carry mark uh, tragedies. Think about it. Some of the scars that people carry mark tragedies. They mark uh, some kind of an accident or a fall. Some scars uh, mark a a disease or the eradication, the elimination, the, the removal of a disease. Some scars do. Some scars are the result of an attack, Something that happened in the past, someone, someone wounded and, and there's a scar there now. So we have scars that are the result of some kind of a tragedy. Some scars, some scars can also become trophies. You ever notice that? I, I've I've been talking with people and, and uh, I knew that they went through some kind of a procedure and they've come up to me and they've said, pastor, look at this. And they, they open up their shirt and they show right here and there's this, there's this scar going all the way down. They don't show me all the way down, but they show me this much of it right here. They show me their scars and, and, and they get this kind of a funny look on their face like, you know what? I'm still alive. And it's, it's cool. That's, that's a scar though. We've seen scars like that. A number of years ago, a person came up to me and he said, Pastor, I want to show you my scar. He rolled up his, pulled up his pant leg and he said, That's where the rattlesnake bit me. It was a ghastly scar. Some things you can't unsee. I wish I could unsee that. Mean looking scar. Some scars are, are like that, aren't they? Some scars, some of the scars that we carry on our bodies, particularly, we hide. Or we disguise them, we cover it up. Some we ignore, some we don't even look at in the mirror when we're when we're there and and it, that scar is exposed. We don't even look at it. Some scars, interestingly enough, again we we proudly display some scars. Do you have any scars? You have any scars? Uh, actually, there are several persons in the Bible who, who uh, whose scars are recorded. There, there are several, uh, a couple notable ones would be uh, in the Old Testament, Jacob. His, his scar was, was more internal than external. He walked with a limp. There's a quite a story that goes along with that for the rest of his life because he wrestled with God. He he walked with a limp. It was a kind of an internal scar. The, the scar tissue was internal. You couldn't see it visibly, but you could see the limp. And in the New Testament, the apostle Paul spoke, or rather wrote, about his scars and how, how in, in serving Jesus Christ because of the beatings that had been inflicted upon him and the things that he had gone through, he talked about some of his scars, his physical scars. So, so you see a couple of different people in Scripture whose scars are recorded, Uh, the, the, The marks of something that happened before, either a tragedy or, in some cases, a trophy. But the greatest example of scarring was on Jesus, and it's in John chapter 20. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there, John chapter 20. Let me just give you a little bit of heads up on what happened prior to this. This event, what we're going to read here in just a moment, was actually after the resurrection. One week ago, this morning, we gathered together and, and we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, we celebrated the death of Jesus and it really is a celebration. And I and I shared both two weeks ago and one week ago that we, we should never limit the cross or the resurrection to just one day a week and we don't. And here it is, just one week later, and we're still talking about the resurrection. And, and that's just perfectly fine because the resurrection is really what it's all about. But before this, shortly before this, Jesus was raised from the dead. And in John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20, it reads this way. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, in other words, they were afraid that the Jewish leaders would do to them what they had done to Jesus, the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands. He showed them his side. Let me just pause there for a moment. His hands that had been nailed, his side that where the spear had gone in. He showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now down to verse 24. Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus Came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the nail marks, some translations read scars, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, Jesus' disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was, was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said again, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So we know that Jesus was scarred. Jesus was scarred because Jesus was wounded. He was wounded, right? Scars follow wounds. Jesus was now scarred because Jesus had been wounded, and it was all a part of God's plan. Yes, it was, and even though that may be old material to many of you, I I still need to say it, Jesus, His suffering and His sacrifice and His wounding was all a part of God's plan. In fact, Isaiah 53, verse 5, hundreds of years before Jesus was born... uh, Hundreds of years before Jesus died on that cross, before he suffered, hundreds of years earlier, uh, God spoke through the prophet Isaiah, and he said that Jesus would be wounded, that's the word that is used, he he would be wounded for our sins. So long before Jesus was nailed to that cross, long before he suffered, even prior to going to the cross, the, the, the Lord wanted us to know, prophetically, that Jesus would be wounded, that's the word used, he would be wounded for our sins, for your sins and for my sins. We live, of course, 2,000 years after Jesus died, but he was wounded for your sins and he was wounded for my sins. Actually, he was more than just wounded, he was mortally wounded. In other words, the wound that he received, or the wounds, plural, multiple, the wounds that Jesus received led to his death. It wasn't simply inflict the wounds and then go into a period of recovery, but it was, they were wounds that ultimately led to his physical death. They were mortal wounds. Again, two weeks ago on Sunday, a week and a half ago on Good Friday, we gathered together and we, we remembered the cross. I'll tell you, folks, I, I have to say it again. I am so grateful for the cross of Jesus Christ. I am so grateful for what he accomplished on the cross. I I, I know that that almost sounds repetitive, especially considering the season that we're coming from, but but I, I don't ever want hardly a Sunday to go by that we don't in some way, in some fashion, point to the cross of Jesus Christ because it was through the cross that we receive everything. He was wounded for your sins and he was mortally wounded for my sins, for our sins, I'm so very grateful for the cross. But we're talking about wounds. You ever been wounded? Earlier, I asked if you had scars, and most of us do. You can find them on our body someplace. But you ever been wounded? Well, the answer, of course, is yes. You've been wounded. Not like Jesus, of course. Uh, I want to be careful at this point of the message to, that, that, that anything that we go through is, cannot compare to what Jesus went through. And so when I talk about our wounds, uh, obviously it, it can't measure up to his wounds, but you've been wounded. You've perhaps not been beaten with, with whips, but with words or with deeds. Things have been done to you that wounded you. Some wounds are on our body. Again, we could, uh, we could recount. I, I, re, I remember uh, sharing once, uh, I don't remember what the occasion was. I was about 20-something, and, the, and I was going in for surgery for something, and, and the uh, gal started asking, she says, do you have any scars on your body? And it took me about four or five minutes. I, w- I was very accident-prone when I was younger. I have scars all over my body. And, and I started listening, and their eyes just got big. We all have scars, right? Some kind or another. I could ask you, show I don't want to see your scars, but I could say, What scars? You could say, Yeah, that's the time I fell out of the tree, or that's the that's the time that you know the neighbor's dog bit me. <laughs> we all have physical scars. But I have found that, that that result from wounds, but I have found that the greatest, most painful wounds are not the kind that we experience in our body, but the kinds that we experience in our spirit and our mind. Have you found that as well? That if you fall down and scrape something, if if you fall down and cut something, if you're in an accident, if you're in a surgery, those things, I'm not minimizing it, but those things tend to heal over the course of days or weeks, maybe at the longest months, Those wounds tend to heal. God built us that way. But boy, some of the hardest wounds that you will ever receive will will be in a place where no one else can see. You will be wounded. No, let me rephrase that. You have been wounded in some way at some time. Some of the most severe wounds are in a much deeper place than just on our skin or on our bones some years ago, a number of years ago, most wouldn't even be aware of it, and it's not important. I I was going through a rather difficult season in my life, the, the details of which are not important. It, I, I will say this, it wasn't because of sin, I wasn't going through this season because of disobedience, I wasn't going through it because of a lack of faith. I was in God's will. He led me into that particular season a number of years ago. But I remember feeling wounded. Again, not in the body. My, my body I always felt fine through that whole process years ago. But, but, but I remember just feeling wounded in my spirit, in my mind. I just felt wounded. Partway into that difficult season, uh, it was following a time of prayer where I was just crying out to God. And, and I, I felt so wounded, I felt so broken in a place where no one could see, maybe only my wife. And, and, and I, uh, certainly my wife, she was aware of it. And I felt so wounded and, and following a time of prayer, one day I, I wrote this down on a sticky note. These words on a sticky note, and then I put it in a place where I could see it. In fact, I dug through and found it. I kept it. The sticky part is so so worn out that I had to tape it into my notes here. You can't read it, but this is the note. It's kind of crinkled. It's, It's old. It's years old. But it simply says this, God's purpose exceeds my pain. Now, let me say that again, because that may be something that you need to write down, not because I came up with it, but because the Holy Spirit prompts you to, to declare the same. And this was a declaration. I remember being, felt, feeling so wounded, and, but, but the Holy Spirit prompted me to write this down. God's purpose exceeds my pain. In other words, this is a wounding time. It is a painful time. But he has a purpose in this time. I don't know what it is. I don't know when this season will end. I don't know if it's going to get worse before it gets better. But God's purpose exceeds my pain. I have to tell you that this little sticky note that I'm going to keep right here, because I don't want it to get lost. That little sticky note, not because I wrote it, but because the Holy Spirit spoke it to me in a very clear season, helped bring me through that time, and I prayed that again and again and again. God's purpose exceeds my pain. You know, I can't help but wonder if Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we talked about that two weeks ago as well, rather three weeks ago, I can't help but wonder if Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, if, 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 if you could condense it, God's purpose ex- exceeds my pain. Not, not my will, but your will be done. As he hung on the cross, he had to express something to that regard. This is so painful, but God, your purpose, Father, your purpose exceeds my pain. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. For God's purposes, he endured the pain. We go through times in which we are wounded. We are in God's will. We are in God's plan. We are doing God's purposes. But we still go through those extremely wounding times. I want to tell you this if you don't know this already, if you are in Jesus Christ, whether you've been serving Him for a week or for 50 years or somewhere in between, if you are in Jesus Christ, and in fact, I'm going to go so far as to say, because you are in Jesus Christ, you will be wounded. As you follow him, as you follow his purposes, as you follow his direction, and you go and you do things, and you say things, and you speak things that he is telling you to say and speak and do, when you are in his will, you will be wounded. I believe one of the most insidious and destructive and discouraging false teachings that has risen its ugly and and, and lying head again and again throughout the history of the church is, that, is simply this false teaching that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I am exempt from pain, and that is absolutely patently not true. Because we are followers of Jesus Christ, we will experience certain kinds of suffering and wounds that we would not suffer were we not following Jesus Christ. When it happens, instead of just asking why, because that's what we do, right? We're that, that human nature, we just go, Man, God, why is this happening? It's like one of the first things we say. <laughs> I'm, at least in my experience, we go, why? What's the reason for this? Why is this happening? Instead, instead of simply asking why, as we are so inclined to do, run to Him and declare this, make this statement. I don't understand, but I believe that you have a purpose in this. I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand why that wound came my way. I don't understand exactly why I'm hurting like I'm hurting right now, but I know this, that you are still the Lord of my life, and you have a purpose in this. Your purpose exceeds my pain. Some of you really need to get a hold of that because maybe you've been wounded. You're you're walking with Jesus. You're serving him, and you're Yet you're feeling wounded. There is a purpose in these wounds. Here's another thing that I want you to know. Jesus' scars also show us that wounds can be healed. Wounds can be healed. Wounds can be healed. Wounds that heal are then marked by a scar, right? That's the progression. You're, You're wounded, you heal And there's a scar. Please notice here in the text that we read here from John chapter 20 that Jesus did not show his disciples open wounds. Did you ever notice that? This text may be familiar to some of you, may be brand new to some of you, but please notice here it does not say that he showed his disciples open wounds. He did not say, Touch my hands, but go easy because it still hurts. He didn't say to Thomas, go ahead and put your hand in my side, but it might be a little bit messy down there. I'm not being flippant. I just want you to know that he didn't say that. He didn't say that. I am saying that Jesus showed scars that came from wounds that had miraculously healed. Now, you understand the the progression there. Jesus showed them scars that had come from wounds that had been healed. First you're wounded, then you heal, and then there's a scar. Jesus was healed. We don't often think of it. We we talk about the resurrection, he came back from the dead, but you have to understand, again, prophetically speaking in the Old Testament, it says that when Jesus would be beaten, when he would be... uh, uh, tortured really, when he would be brutalized, physically brutalized, it was to such a degree that, that he was almost unrecognizable as a man. I, 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 I'm sorry to be so graphic, but the Bible's graphic, it, it, it's almost, the implication is that Jesus was like a raw piece of meat when they got through with him. His body, listen, if, if you get a picture and, and, you know, there's just a little bit of blood running down His body and there's a few scratches here and there, that's not an accurate picture of Jesus on the cross. His, his, his body was brutalized. But there, not only was He resurrected, not only did life come back to that body, but that body was also miraculously healed. When they saw Him on the third day following He did not look like he had gone through the horrible agony of the cross, except for the scars, not the wounds, they've healed, except for the scars on his hands and the scar on his side. Jesus was healed. Let me add this, Jesus also heals. Jesus was healed, but Jesus heals He heals wounds at every level. I believe in physical healing. I know this. I've experienced it, so have so many of you. I know that Jesus heals bodies. But let me tell you something. Some of the greatest healing that he will ever bring your way or anyone's way is going to be in a place where it's not necessarily having anything to do with the body, but having to do with the mind and the heart. Jesus heals at every level. The external wounds, thank God, the internal wounds. In fact, I'm going to say I'm even more grateful for the way in which He heals me inside because someday this body is going to give out. Someday this body is going to die. Someday this body is going to return to the dirt. But I'll tell you what, because of the healing that He does on the eternal part of me, that is going to live forever. He heals on every level. Jesus was healed and Jesus heals. Now, let me give you just a little bit of a, a picture, an example of Jesus' healing uh, from the Gospels. There's a, there's a tremendous uh, uh, record of this, a miracle of healing in John's Gospel. But I want you to notice when we read that Jesus, before before Jesus healed someone, he first asked a question. John chapter 5, verses 5 and 6 read this way. One who was there, This now this is long before the uh, the crucifixion, sometime before. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Now, that, that's just part of the story. There's more to it than that, but, but um, that's an interesting question to ask, isn't it? I mean, if somebody has been sick for thirty-eight years, isn't it kind of an obvious, thing, you know, answer to the question: Do you want to get? He- do you want to be healed? But Jesus asked this question before he healed him. He asked him: Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Now, again, there's more to it. We won't go into the whole story. It's for a different time. But I believe Jesus asked that question because he knew. And he wanted the man to know that that healing that would come would change the man's life. Let me say that again. Jesus asked that question because Jesus knew and he, knew, he wanted the man to know that when the healing came, his life would be changed. The man's identity would change. He, I don't know what his name is. His name is, let's, say, let's give him a good Jewish name. His name is Reuben, all right? He would no longer be known as Reuben the invalid because after 38 years, people are going to identify you more by your sickness or by your, your infirmity. Sadly, this is how it is. People are going to say, they're, they're going to refer to him more as that than even his name. People are going to say, Reuben, Reuben who? Oh, you, you, know, you mean the guy that's been a shut-in for 38 years? Oh, you mean the guy who's been an invalid for 38 years? Oh, you mean that guy who's spent most of his life bedridden? Oh, yeah, that Reuben. See, that had become, after 38 years, that had become that man's identity. But when he's healed, his identity is going to change. He's no longer going to be known as the guy who's been sick for 38 years. Now his identity is going to be changed, and he's going to be called the guy who is miraculously healed after 38 years of of illness. His identity is going to change. Jesus also knew that his economy would change. For 38 years, maybe not that long, maybe he had some monies at the beginning or maybe he was growing up in a home, someone else was, but over the course of time, he had to depend on others. Maybe a beggar or he was the the, the generosity of someone else. But now when the healing came, his economy was going to change. He was going to have to go get a job, (laughs) He's going to, have to, he's going to have to have some kind of a trade that, that's, that's going to be marked. Things are going to change when the healing came. His responsibilities would change. From that day forward, other people would expect more from the guy who had been healed from 38 years of sickness. I think all of that is why Jesus said, do you want to get healed? Do you want to get well? See, here's the point. Some people's wounds are not healed because they don't want the change that accompanies the healing. That, that's very important. Listen to that again. Some people's wounds are not healed because they don't want the change that accompanies the healing or that follows the healing. There are people that you know who are desperately ill maybe not in their body, but in their spirit, in their mind. There are many people that you know who are terminally ill. I mean, if something doesn't happen, this is going to be their lot, not only for life, but for eternity. They are terminally ill. The illness is killing them incrementally. Day by day, they're getting closer to the end. There are so many people that we know who are desperately ill, but they reject the healing because when the healing comes, so must their lives change. You see, change always follows healing. This is why Jesus said, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Here's an example of this. Um, it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's a familiar portion of Scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 records some of the sins uh, that the people of Corinth had committed. <laughs> Let me tell you right up front, it's quite a list. Uh, there are nine things specifically mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that the, the city of Corinth, a long time ago, major trade city, pretty significant community in its time, um, nine sins that are mentioned of people in Corinth that had committed it. Now, now, now uh, it was a long time ago, and I know a lot of things have changed, but we, we don't have any of these things anymore, but these are the nine things. Uh, immorality, idol worship, adultery. These are all sins that were listed. Immorality, idol worship, adultery, prostitution, homosexuality, stealing, drunkenness, slander, and swindling. Let me give you those nine things again. This is is what the Apostle Paul's writing, directed by the Holy Spirit. He says, these are some of the things that you've committed, some of the sins that you've committed. Immorality, idol worship, adultery, prostitution, homosexuality, stealing, drunkenness, slander, and swindling. Do those things still happen today? Of course they do. And that's 2,000, almost 2,000 years ago. Claire on the other side, this is on a whole different part of the, the globe. And and yet really, these things still happen today. I was talking to my mom and dad last night, and my mom said she got a phone call. <laughs> she got a phone call from somebody saying saying that she he said uh, she couldn't hardly understand. He he says, I'm your oldest grandchild and I need money. <laughs> My mom. I think they prey on people. My mom's pretty sharp. She know her oldest grandchild, my nephew, earns about two hundred thousand dollars a year as a research scientist. I think he's okay. My mom hung up on him. They're still swindlers, aren't there? They're still swindlers. There are still people who slanderers, people who verbally wound. There are still people who are drunk and. There's still people that steal, and there are still people that are bound in all kinds of sexual things, all kinds of immoralities like homosexuality and prostitution and adultery. These are all, there's a lot to it, I know, they're, but they're, people still are bound by these things. But I'm just telling you what the sins were, but then there's this line, and, and see, I've kind of held back because, because what Paul then wrote is actually one of my favorite texts in all of the Bible. It's, it's like like my, one of my top 10 favorite verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 says this, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And I add this, glory to God. I'll, t- I'll tell you why I love that word, uh, that, that, that text rather, is because of the word Were. You see it there. That is what some of you were. But you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified. Here's what Paul is doing. He's, he lists these all these things. There were a lot of other things, I'm sure, that they were guilty of, that, that they had committed. But Paul is, is looking back, and he says, yes, but, but look what my Savior has done. That is what some of you were, not are, were. But Jesus has changed you. Jesus has turned you around. Jesus has restored you. I'm, I'm going to add this. Jesus has healed them. These sins were past tense. They had been wounded. They had been these things. But Jesus had healed them. Now, were some of their memories, those, those people in Corinth, those, those Christians of long ago that are really like a lot of Christians today, were some of their memories still there? Could they still recall some of those actions? Absolutely. You know, some of those people, men and women, who had been involved in prostitution, well, it was probably embarrassing when they're walking down. Boy, their life is different. They've been changed on the inside and on the outside, and, and, and their, their lives are very, very different. But, but I'm sure, you know, they're walking down the street, and here's a former client, and they're going, oh, boy. I mean, there were still some memories, there were probably still some temptations where, where some of the things that had once bound them, they were, they were tempted to go back to. You see, that's wouldn't it be nice if once we're delivered, we're never tempted again? Wouldn't that be nice? There were, there were scars. There were some memories. There were still tempted times, but they, they were no longer painful and open and easily infected and potentially fatal wounds. These people were no longer bleeding, oozing pussy sores, spiritually speaking, because Jesus had such were some of you. Listen to me. Jesus still forgives, and he still heals people from the things in this world that wound us not just bodies, but every part of us. I love to pray for people who are sick in body, but I'll tell you what, I love it. I have to say this. I think I love it even more when someone comes up and they say to me, you know, I got this wound on the inside and I need Jesus to heal me. And feel free to do that. You don't need to come just when you have a physical malady. There may be something, some kind of an internal wound, and you can come up and you can pray together with a brother or sister and agree together at any time. You can grab any person here and say, would you pray with me? And I'll tell you what, Jesus can heal. He still does, every part of us. He's healed me. He's healed many of you from so many things. But listen, it'll change you. You'll no longer find your identity as a victim. You can't. You can't, you can't still call yourself a victim. When you call yourself a victim, I know some things happened and at times we were victims. I know that. But when we still regard ourselves as a victim, essentially what we're doing is we are opening up those wounds again and we're saying, look at the wounds. But instead of simply being a victim, we can get to the point where we are victor and we are no longer have an open wound, but we have a scar. And we can point to those scars, which also point to the Savior which means that we're no longer a victim and we no longer find our identity in victimhood, but rather in the victorious blood and power of Jesus Christ. By the way, you also can't wait for those who hurt you to come back and heal you. They won't and they can't. You know how many people I have talked to in my life that said, I will forgive them when they come back to me. Well, then you're never going to forgive them because they're never going to come back to you. You're going to be waiting a long time. You are going to die of infection before they come back and say, Would you please forgive me? I wronged you. Some of you are waiting for those who hurt you to come back and heal you. And I'm telling you, it can't happen. It won't happen. But I do know this, that Jesus can heal you. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people gone this week, so I'm going to preach the same message again next week. I think I'm just going to... Well, you'll get it again, and all the people that, that were scared of the snow, they're, they're going to get it too. No, that's, I'll have something else next week. There's one more thing about wounds that are healed that are marked by glorious scars, and that is some scars are meant to be seen by others. Wounds are healed, and scars are seen. Some scars are meant to be seen by others. Jesus showed his scars, not as a victim, but as a memorial to his victory on the cross and his victory over death. Really, I mean, anybody, Jesus here on on two occasions has walked through walls into a locked room. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Anybody who can walk through walls and has been raised by the dead, they can also come through this without scars. But that's not the case. Jesus wanted to... Re- now, doesn't talk about scars on his back where he was, be- where he was beaten. It doesn't talk about uh, the scars of, of the thorns that were crushed down on his head. It doesn't talk about the scars where the pieces of his beard were ripped away. It, it doesn't say that he had black eyes from where they punched him mercilessly in the face. But he chose to carry these scars because he wanted to show these scars to these people as a memorial to his victory, on the cross and his victory over death. Let me tell you, Now let's talk about your scars. Your scars or your testimony of Jesus' healing and delivering power can affect change in other people. There are other people that need to see not your wounds, but your scars. There are people that need to see your scars. Listen to this: 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Tells us this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we may comfort those in any trouble. Do you see the, the sequence there? God comforts us in our trial in our in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble. Can can I even expand on this a little bit? And I don't think I'm doing an injustice. That 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 He heals us so that we can be instruments of healing to other people. He encourages us supernaturally so that we can be an encouragement to other people. He heals you of your wounds so that you can show your scars to those who are presently wounded and give them hope and help so that they know that they too can be healed in the name of Jesus. We are meant to show some people some of our scars. Listen to me on this. I'm going to finish up with this because otherwise we're going to get snowed in here and all we have to eat is, 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 is communion wafers and it just, it just, it's just not much. Listen to me on this. No one wants to see your ugly wounds. I don't know if you've ever done this. I, I am on Facebook about once every week or two. One of the reasons why I stay away from it is because people keep posting pictures of their wounds. I mean, they got this gash today. I ran a needle through my hand. It makes me sick. I just can't see that stuff. I pass out. I come to 20 minutes later. It's terrible. By the way, if you're wounded somehow, physically wounded I mean, um, and I come to visit you in the hospital, if I only look you in the eye, you'll understand why. I I will pass out. There will be two patients. You will have a roommate. I am that way. I don't like to see people's physical wounds. Some of you need to stop showing people your wounds. People don't want to see your ugly wounds. People don't want to hear what that person did to you one year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. For two reasons. Number one, it could be gossip. And number two, You don't accomplish anything except point to how you were wounded. I'm talking the internal kinds of wounds, you understand. You don't need to keep talking about what that person did to you, what that organization did to you, what that government did to you, what that church did to you, what that leader did to you, what that politician did to you what this person failed to do, what that parent failed to do, what that sibling did or didn't do. We need to stop showing people our wounds. We need to receive healing from Jesus Christ and then show them the scars and say, look what my Savior can do. These people will never be changed by you showing them your wounds. But they will receive comfort when you show them that you serve the healer who turns wounds into scars. It has been said, doesn't say it chapter and verse, so I can't say it for sure that way, but I believe there's some truth to this. That the only man made thing you will ever find in heaven are the scars on Jesus' hands and Jesus' side. Not as a testimony to those bad people who did those horrible things so many millennia before, but as a testimony to the power of the cross. And the power of the resurrection. We're gonna close. And we're gonna close this way. Lana, if you would help me here at the front, I would like you to do this. There are some of you right now that in these last few moments, 20, 30 minutes, The Holy Spirit has shined a light as only He can do, and I cannot. He has shined a light on some of your wounds. They're still seeping, they're still oozing, they can still be infected, and you've been carrying those wounds too long. In these next few moments, The Lord desires to transform and heal, even if it was many decades ago or last week, Jesus desires to turn your wound into a scar. And here's how it will happen. It will happen, number one, by His power. Number two, it will happen by your obedience. By you simply saying, Lord, take my wound, heal it, and turn it into a scar. So here's what I'd like you to do. Would you stand, please? In a moment, these altars are going to be open, as they always are, at the close of a service. And some of you, following our prayer, may want to come down spend some additional time seeking the Lord. But because of the nature of this, I want you to make an altar right where you are. Because here's the thing, this is not one of those messages where maybe five or seven or ten people um, it relates to. Although I don't really think that there's too many messages quite like that. To the contrary, This is one of those messages where because we've all been wounded and sometimes we tend to carry those wounds longer than we should before giving them to Jesus. You say, well, some of you may be thinking, I've asked God to heal me before and he hasn't yet. So ask him again. Those words that were said last week, last year, last century, those things that were done to you By persons who were very important to you, because those are some of the hardest wounds. I believe in these moments, because you pushed through the storm and you were here and you were receptive, and you, I want Jesus to heal you right now. Do you believe that can happen? Really? Come on, do you believe that can happen? Do you believe that right now where you're standing, that the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead can also give life to your mortal body and that he can touch you? So here's what I'd like you to do. Now some of you, that what I just said, it really strikes you home and you're going, yep, I know it. But here's what I'd, I'd like everyone here to do this. Jesus, his hands were pierced and he showed them his hands. I, I didn't put a graphic up because I couldn't find a good picture that I liked enough of Jesus' scarred hands. But Jesus showed his hands like this. Here's what I'd like, I'd like you to take your hands and I would, in like an act of surrender and an act of offering, because that's how we give offerings, we give them with our hands. Here's what I'd like you to do in these moments ahead. Here, everyone, in just a moment, I want you to hold out your hands like this. And I want you to say, and, and then we're gonna pray, right? So let's go ahead and do that. So you can still look up here for a moment. I want you to put your hands out like this. Some of you, boy, it's a figurative thing, it's symbolic, it's, oh man, some of those healings are really heavy. Some of them, maybe not so much, but we all need healing. We all need healing from some kind of a wound. And so I'd like to pray this. Would you agree with me as I pray? Lord Jesus, in these moments ahead now, in these present moments, in In response to how you've spoken to us from your word, I thank you for that long ago time where you showed your scars to your followers. I'm so grateful that you still carried the scars. Now, Jesus, with our hands held out, we give to you our wounds. and we ask for healing. Now, Lord, when we ask for healing, there's gonna be some changes. From this day forward, if we really want healing and we experience healing, then we can no longer call ourselves simply a victim. We were a victim, but now through the power of Jesus, we are victorious over that wound. From now on, we're going to have to live differently. We can't live in light of that wound. Now we live in the light of your glory and your healing. So Jesus, with our hands held out, we offer it to you. We give you that wound, that injury, that hurt, that pain from, from our lives some point prior to this day. We may have offered it to you many times before we do so again. And I ask that right now, Lord Jesus, you would turn wounds into scars. Heal wounds into scars. We will always have, at least on this side of heaven, Lord, we will always have the memory. We will have the recollection, the ability to recall what was done to us but we do not need to carry the pain of what was done to us or the infection of what was done to us. Now we will carry a scar that we may show others so that they too may receive the healing that you and you alone provide. So Jesus, again, with our hands outstretched, would you work a miracle in this place among these people or maybe even those who are listening to this message at a later date, right where they are right now, I pray that as they put out their hands, you would turn wounds into scars. We will give you the glory for you alone are our Savior and our healer. And now, Lord, as we leave this place, believe in the power of your Holy Spirit in the victory of the cross healed people delivered people may it be said of us and that is what some of you were but you were healed you were set free protect them as they travel to their homes so fellowship together Thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives. This week ahead, may we love you with everything that we have. May we minister to other people. May we love each other. And may we share you with this world who is lost without you. Go in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. amen. I believe you believe it. God bless you. Go in the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, our healer.